Oscar Poker. Welcome to the 10th episode of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com and Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com. First up, we're going to revisit Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. I don't know why they're being, why they're putting all that effort in, into Shutter Island. I don't, I don't, <coughs> I never did sense that there was a great amount of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of real passion for it. I understand that there is respect for it and, and that it did that. That uh, uh, that clamoring kind of uh, Sam Fuller shock corridor thing mm-hmm. with, with everybody, with that kind of uh, you know the emotionality was very extreme and turned up all the way. But I I, I found it uh, taxing uh, uh, to sit through. <laughs> I knew what it was doing. I didn't. Th- I wasn't saying this is a dismiss a film that I don't care about. It's nothing. I mean, I knew this. You know, it's something uh, relatively serious effort by a good filmmaker. But I just. Did, did you like it? Were you? Uh... Um, no, I did. I really loved it. I actually had to watch it twice, though, because I didn't really understand what was happening the first time through. And then when I saw that, you know, at the end, he's actually crazy, then, uh-huh. it, you know, you go back and you watch it again to see, you know, how he set that up. And to me, it's very, very interesting. Also, um, but it, people were saying, though, Sasha, all the way along, way before it even started to be seen, that it was. That it was Angel Heart, and that told me everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about it before I saw okay. it. I, I guess I was kept spoiler free. But uh-huh. uh, it also made a hundred and twenty something million at the box office, and it's so to me, it's one of the few box office champs of the year, and that makes it a Scorsese movie over a hundred million dollars with Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems crazy to me that people aren't considering it as a strong contender, even though I agree with you, it doesn't seem to have any buzz at all. You know. Yeah. Uh, it made more money. Pete Hammond was telling me. I didn't, I mean, you know, how enterprised I am. I think I can simply check this, but it made more money than The, the, the Departed, right? I think so. Uh, yeah. Or did yeah, it that, not, Phil? I'm not sure. I mean, I can check real quick here while we're talking. Because that would be an interesting thing. And a film that had the, the, the stamp of approval and it was no question about it being a superior film. And then... And then this kind of shock corridor remake that's that's Angel Heart. To me, the movie said so plainly and so obviously that this guy is so full of twitches and he's sweating so much. And he's so full of uh, – he's clear, so clearly not an FBI guy. He's got so much turbulence inside him that you know that something uh, – he's probably an inmate or an escaped inmate or something, you know. And uh, I just thought it had no surprises. It was just all atmosphere and and um, just you know in, kind of uh, atmospheric intrigue all the way through, which is well done. I'll, I'll, I'll give Scorsese that, but it didn't. Uh, I, no, The Departed beat it. No, it it did? did by yeah, like four million. It was one thirty-two, and Shutter Island had one twenty-eight, and then mm-hmm. you know adjust for inflation, and a lot more people went to see Departed. Okay. So. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, though that 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 a, that a film that you're supposed to say, well, that's got the best picture us. We have to go see it, and yet Shutter Island, which which is not that good of, in in my estimation, at all, you know, a pretty good film and not really that good, uh, does as well. What does that say about the box office? Um, you know, uh, bequeathment of, of winning an Oscar. Well, I mean, maybe it says that Leonardo DiCaprio is just a really good box office draw still. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know for sure if he is, but I, I think that to me, when I look at Shutter Island in the context of 2010, I really do see it as one of the best films of the year, and especially so that a lot of the films here in the Oscar race, they're not going to last. You know, no one's going to really think about them later. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have all the buzz right now, but and I don't want to mention any names, but I can just tell you that there are at least five titles that no one will think about even next year. They won't have any relevance at all. And I think Shutter Island is one of the few that in 10 years' time will look back and people will remember it as a, as a film, as a standout film from 2010. Okay. That's just my opinion. What do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because well-made atmosphere films do have a way of kind of uh, lingering and and they have a kind of a – they they work uh, five years later, ten years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it sure isn't in terms of what it's delivering story-wise, certainly character-wise. I just don't think there's there's a – even a little bit of intrigue or suspense. It's just, you know, when are we going to get to the part when we find out that he's not an FBI agent? That's what I was doing. <laughs> really? You know, yeah. I, the thing, I, I thought the ending wasn't ambiguous enough. I wanted it to mm. kind of mess with me a little bit more than it did. I think there's no reason not to believe the ending, I don't think. You know what I mean? You, you buy it and they don't give you any clues or hints that maybe they're still putting him on and, you know, the, the people on the island, Ben Kingsley, are full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to have more of that where you thought, okay, well, maybe he was, uh, you know, maybe he was a cop and they were still, you know, mm-hmm. um, trying to just keep him here and there wasn't yeah. anything like that. And that would have, I think, rewarded repeat viewings even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought, I, I, I mean, we can close the, the door on this topic, but I, I really thought that it was. Uh, you know, it was a mood piece. It was creepy. It was psychological. It was definitely something that I could. It was play. on an island. The the sea was crashing against the cliffs. It was. It just wouldn't leave you alone. It just kept <laughs> hitting you with atmosphere, creepiness, uh, stern and drang. You know, turbulence, weird stuff. You know. Uh, yeah. It just but, kept saying that over and over again. I just felt, you know. Yeah. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, the way he was looking at DiCaprio, you know, uh, it was just uh, – and Ben Kingsley, he looked like the cat that ate the canary. The whole time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, you make good points, both of you, so I appreciate that. I don't, I don't know what it's going to do in Oscar season. I could see it making the top ten just because of the money aspect of it. Um, now, this is, this is what Pete was telling me the other day. Uh, he feels that the money has to be respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get what that's about uh, because what it means is that people out there liked, saw it, went to it, told their friends about it. So um, it would be a fitting way to, to pay respect to that achievement of having drawn that big audience as putting it as one of the ten. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right, and it's Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if we could talk to Phil for a minute about the box office champs of Oscar so far, it's these are the ones that I can think of that made close to a million dollars or a hundred million. That would be Shutter Island. Uh, Toy Story 3, which is $400 million. How to Train Your Dragon, which is up there with like $300 million or something like that. And The Town, $90 million. Social Network, $89 million. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty much it, I think, for the Oscar race in terms of really strong box office. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see what True Grit does. True Grit does, yeah. yeah. I was going to say. What about, and what do you think the fighter's going to do? What's, what does your instinct or gut tell you, tell you that? Uh, we're predicting like <clears throat> fifty million, um, and it's we're saying like twelve million for the wide opening because it's doing it's going limited. I think right December tenth, and then they're shooting it up 
wide right away the 17th. I think that's still the plan. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's that you know that and True Grid both have the advantage of being released you know right at the time when you know all people are going to be hearing about it. Mm-hmm. About them is is good stuff. You know the the, the awards are going to start happening in a, in a couple and well actually this coming week right we have right. like a couple things happening uh, Gotham National Border Review, Review and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's uh, I'm seeing that uh, the fighter next week. Oh yeah. So I, yeah, I'm going to see it again today because they're having a luncheon tomorrow for the um, for David O. Russell and Mark Wahlberg and some, and some others uh, in town tomorrow. So. Well, Make off- sure you use the right fork or David o- Russell will yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so since you have brought up um, 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 <clears throat> this, this film that you haven't seen called True Grit, I just thought I'd tell you about it. Uh, that I talked to somebody who said that they heard some things about it. And, uh, oh, you I- did? Oh, who? Yeah. Who did you talk to? I mean, you don't have to tell me, but what did they say? <laughs> Well, I, I can I can I can pass it along um, in 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 little fragments. Uh, I I shouldn't I should not uh, you know I, I, the person was spoke to me in confidence. So let's just say uh, what they basically said was that uh, let's just do it in, in pieces. They said you know, basically they 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 think that Jeff Bridges, as we all kind of expected or knew, that is really uh, as sublime as uh, Rooster Cogburn. He's he really hits it. Uh, you know, he uh, the, this, the the person said he's kind of John Wayneish. The person said he's kind of Jeff Lebowski. Mm-hmm. The person said he's kind of W. C. Fields. <laughs> I was. It's, 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 now that's a great combination. <laughs> <laughs> and this person also, you know, despite a really uh, well, it's a, it's a tough ending, but it's it's a uh, first uh, Cohen Brothers uh, movie that. that ever made this person uh, joke up so this is and they're not good at that what the coen brothers are good at is uh being ironic and kind of uh you know kind of dry humor sometimes perverse humor stoner humor you know right. but never never like open emotionalism that's and that's unusual if that's you know the case I, I it mean, is unusual yeah. that that they would go down that road i wonder if it's sort of an evolution for them because um i know joel cohen is a parent and i was wondering if uh so you're, what you're saying is they understand uh, the that the, the ha- Hattie or Hallie? What's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Haley. Haley Steinfeld. What, Haley what's Steinfeld. her character's name in, in True Grit again? She's Maddie Ross. Maddie Ross. There we go. Sorry. And I think that there will probably be a father-daughter kind of current running through it with them. Mm-hmm. And that makes a second the second film this year that I can think of that has a really strong father-daughter current. And that's also Winter's Bone. Both of them mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, surrogate father, young, strong female. Um, Who is the surrogate father in Winter's Bone? Because the Yakovs, the, the the cop. Were you talking about? No, Are we talking just, about the the brother of, of the father? Who? Yeah. The, oh, that guy. Oh, okay. But he's kind of hostile, isn't he? And kind of, kind of not that friendly. And yes, he he becomes grudgingly protective, and he and he stands by his kin towards the end of the film, but I didn't find that much of an intriguing current there. He just kind of a scurvy Ozark, uh, yeah. Ozarkian backwoods guy. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of character from him. He, he seemed defensive and guarded and he, you know, he's afraid of what she might do. I mean, um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
Well, my understanding of True Grid is also that he's a, he's begrudgingly uh, her father figure, and that he doesn't start out that way. He, you know. Okay. Um, and that throughout the film, it becomes clear that he is he does become very protective. Okay. Um, yeah, which is mirrors the Henry Hathaway film from <clears throat> uh, forty years ago, nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, I mean, there are certain things they're not going to be able to avoid in doing an adaptation of, of the novel because they're they're both drawing from the same source material. Right. Um, I think just the tone is probably going to be very different with the Coens just because they can't help to – they're like Stanley Kubrick in that way. It always has to go through their filter, <laughs> their <Yep>. funny, <laughs> absurd filter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it becomes almost satire in a way, but mm-hmm. – um, mm. The person uh, was also saying that, that um, it – it may not have the uh, the gravity of No Country for Old Men or you know Fargo or something, but it has it's it's clearly one of the the, the best uh, of the year so far, mm-hmm. and it's uh, you know it's uh, you know it's the only film that really is in the in the in the uh, uh, category or the caliber of the Social Network, which is which is um, wow, bold high praise, yeah. Sure. Well, so we'll let's, just have let's to see. see if everybody else thinks that. You know, it's yeah. funny because when you see when people see these films in these special screenings, you know, it's always it's always a gamble. You never know how the general public is going to react once you hear something. You know, so. <laughs> every time I've seen the trailer that, that, in front of an audience, it's gone over really well. I think it's one of the best trailers of the year. You know, mm. Paramount's doing an excellent job selling it. I mean, that right. that thundering you know Johnny Cash song you know yeah. comes in. I forget the name of it. Um, God's gonna cut you down or something like that. They picked a, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's killer song choice and it, it works. It's a, you know, you get this kind of gritty feel from just the trailer, and I think mm-hmm. people are buying into it. And mm-hmm. um, we need to get into the box office. And you were mentioning earlier that the very, uh, 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 very strong performance, uh, box office performance by the King's Speech this weekend, uh, across the board, very, you know. Great per screen average. So, what happened exactly? What, what- yeah, it, uh, it opened at four locations and it did uh, eighty-seven thousand four forty-eight at each one, which is the best location average of the year. It tops uh, the kids are all right, which had uh, a seventy thousand uh, dollar location average from seven locations when it opened mm-hmm. uh, in, in July. So, yeah, that's you know, I don't think you can ask for much more than that. That's a you know, a great start and, you know, obviously very assuring for the wine scene company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see what happens when it expands. Like I've said before about it, um, you know, a lot of people are comparing it to the queen and I think it has more of a rooting element to it. You actually care more for the, the lead character in this. And then, you know, the killer supporting performances. I think it, mm-hmm. you know, it has a shot to definitely hit, you know, 50 million. If, like I said, wine scene company plays their cards right. And, um, you know, obviously it's going to get nominations across the board and some key awards. So, sure. you know, look for this to, to be around for a while and, and really show some legs. Wow. Yeah. So That's a family uh, Thanksgiving audience, of course. That means uh, older people are saying, so what's the one that, that, that we'll like, that the, uh, that the dad will like, and that, that um, you know, it, 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 that what looks safe and, and solid, Right. Well, no. Right now, I think you're getting the the hip crowd. The, these are the people that it's probably. I don't know where those four locations are. I'm assuming maybe two in New York, two in LA, something like that. But um, you know, this is these are the people that are reading the reviews and are are hearing all the buzz. And 
you know, they're, they're waiting to see it. So it's the trickle down effect. So now the hip crowd has to go out and go on Facebook and go on Twitter and say, Hey, saw the King's speech, you know, it lives up to the buzz and all that kind of stuff. They have to confirm it, you know, for everybody else. And then it'll expand and, you know, hopefully do well. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So what's, what's, uh, what else happened this weekend besides, uh, uh, 127. Well, yeah, obviously Potter repeat. Uh, Tangle did pretty well. A plus rating from Cinema Score, and it's already made 82 million worldwide. And that um, was so second or first? Which was first? I didn't. That know. was second. Yeah, Potter held on, but there. Well, the five day Potter has a healthy lead. It's uh, 76 million to 69. But yeah. for just the weekend, it's Potter 50, uh, mm-hmm. Tangled 49, and some change. So. There's a chance maybe when, you know, actuals come in on Monday, they could switch. But, you know, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, a lot closer than a lot of people anticipated. Yeah. Uh, kind of really surprised. So you got to, I think, view that now as a real heavyweight in the animation mm-hmm. category, especially now that Disney is pushing Toy Story 3 mostly for, you know, best picture. Um, you know, they might try to split up the attention and say Tangled for best animated and, you know, Toy Story 3 for best picture. Um, in San Francisco, I tried to go to the Sony Mitreon to not see Tangled, not see uh, uh, the Harry Potter, uh, but to see the – and not to see the King's Speech, but to see, again, for the second time, um, um, Unstoppable. Because didn't somebody tell me that that has hung on reasonably well for its second weekend? Or is that not true? Uh, yeah, it's it's doing well. I mean, it's already made $60 million, uh, mm-hmm. as of this weekend. So, yeah, it's it's a – fighter you know and it's it's not a an easy time i mean it, you know the advantage it has obviously is that it's adult you know it's it's skewing adults so it's not really hurt as much by you know the harry potter juggernaut as mm. you know other films maybe would be so yeah it's it's hanging in there mm. and it's you know it's it's an agreeable movie is what i would say about it i mean when i was in the theater i was you know going with it for the most part you know and and mm. people walk out and they're satisfied i don't think quite you know, blown away, but yeah, it's not something you wouldn't recommend to somebody. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. One of the few uh, mindless movies that don't really add doesn't really add up to anything. I I, uh, I was completely okay with it. I'm I'm rarely okay with mindless movies. Mm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I tried to I tried to get down. Let me just finish the quick story to the Sony Mansion with a friend driving down there and. It was so awful to get even approach the the parking lots. There was one that was completely closed, and they're handing out leaflets to people saying, "If you want to park, here's here's our other alternatives in the area of the Sony Metreon. And it was uh, it was like coming out with like traffic is coming out of a World Series game. It was completely, um, you know, it took about twenty minutes to traverse one block just to go down um, and get to the next parking lot. And I just gave up. I said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, but everybody likes to go to those big theaters because they know the, the sound, as, as I did, because they know the sound is going to be great. They know that they have nice stadium sitting, seating. And nobody wants to go to the older theaters, and, and they all want to see the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was just thinking, boy, this is really a lot of work, a lot of effort just to get to a movie. You know? Yeah. So. Right. Well, that's a good, good sign then, huh? I mean, it's... Well, it means more, more and more people are going to think, you know, I'm just going to wait for the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. A lot um, of work. So, yeah. Um, I guess 11 Other Drugs, too, is worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. That did $14 million mm-hmm. over five days, which not a disaster by any means, but not a, not a strong opening either. Oh, um, it's no. just kind of in the middle. Um, 
The word so. on Josh Gad has gotten around. <laughs> funny, yeah, yeah, that. exactly. That no. hurts it so much. <laughs> well, can I ask uh, you about due date? Is that doing well? I mean, it, it is, it is, is it just doing like the hangover kind of money? Oh, no, nowhere near it. But nowhere it's near. it's successful. I mean, it's $85 million right now uh, based mm-hmm. on the weekend estimates, which is very healthy and very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll definitely uh, inch its way to pass the $100 million, I think. Wow. Um, okay. I saw it for a second time over the holidays, you know, and uh, it holds up. It really yeah. does. I mean, the laughs and that are I, – I relate to kind of Kingpin. Oh, okay. um, you know what I mean? Because it's – you know, the Fairley Brothers had There's Something About Mary, which was their kind of big, you know, mainstream – funny thing that everybody could laugh at which is what todd phillips had with the hangover and now todd phillips has you know due date that's his kingpin which kind of this acidic you know nasty humor to it but still you know very funny and um you know it'll find its audience and everything Um, but it's not as funny as the hangover though Oh no, no. Most <laughs> most films aren't. I mean, that's you know. I just watched that again there. last night, Phil. That, that makes it my tenth time <laughs> on HBO or something. Probably yeah, right. It was on like, HBO. Yeah, it's one of those things you can't turn it off. Once I know. It, once it pops it's on. So true. It's so funny. <laughs> it's our uh, yeah. my friends. That's our one of our official you know pre gaming movies as we <laughs> as you know before you go out and you're having some drinks before the bar and you you put that on and gets oh. you in the mood. That's so great. I, I find I anticipate the, the scenes that I love the most, you know, and usually they involve Zach Galifianakis, I have to admit, but, you know. I have to admit that Zach Galifianakis is funnier in the in due date than he is in it because he's playing the standard <clears throat> man-child in, in uh, uh, you, know, um, uh, the, you know, the hangover, and he's not funny. Not funny to me. You know? Oh. Yeah, he's I mean, hitting its peak for sure. And you guys, you guys have seen the Between Two Ferns, right? All those things that he does. Yeah, yeah, I those are great. But... That's not funny. Oh, you don't find those funny? No, because he's oh, he man, just does bro. one thing. He's the asshole who can't quite pull the the interview together. And he has stupid questions, and you know we all get the thing. But uh, and then but we see it every week. That, that's the whole thing. It just repeats over and over. Chris Farley used to do this thing on Saturday Night Live. Same idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not funny. I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I know that I, and there has to be, somebody like me has to say this stuff. It's not funny, but he is funny in, 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 and, and you guys saying, oh, you know, it's so funny. I just love it. And my greatest highs. Okay. That's fine. I'm glad that you guys, and I'm glad that so many, everybody loves that. film. That's I like fun. fun. <laughs> no, but you know, um, I I didn't know he was as funny as he is in person I, until I saw him on the Bill Maher show, and I thought he was really funny there. Oh, and, when he lit up, mm-hmm. yeah, that was good. Yeah. Very different from his character on um, yeah. in the Hangover, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a purse; it's a satchel. <laughs> okay. Well. You guys want to get into? Uh, Black Swan then too before I yeah that's going to open on next uh, Friday correct yeah yeah um, and I, I caught it Tuesday it was a big all media thing in New York I almost didn't get in it was like one of those around the block things at uh-huh. um, Paris Theater on on 58th and crowd went with it they, they were laughing I think a little bit too much at times when I don't think it was meant to be funny I mean oh. it is a funny movie in some way but they went a little overboard and I wasn't with that but I mean. It'll be interesting to see how this one does. I mean, it's they were I laughing think, at the cracked fingernails and the split toenails and and the no, a lot of the Vincent Cassell stuff, which well, is I think you know he's he's such a scumbag in that, and I think yeah. you can't help but laugh at some of his you know blatantly obvious uh, come ons. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, but the ending, everybody shut the hell up. I yeah. mean, that ending, yeah. you know, for that last, what is it, like 20 minutes when she mm-hmm. starts doing, uh, you know, Black Swan. And yeah. um, it'll be interesting because it's, I think Inception, which I know you, you wanted to bring up too on the call, proved in a way that mm-hmm. mainstream audiences don't have a problem with things being dark mm-hmm. and ambiguous if if some, if some a lead actor can really bring them there. You know, they, they trust Natalie Portman, not not quite as much as they trust Leonardo DiCaprio, but she'll mm-hmm. get them through the door, and her performance is powerful enough that I think, you know, people will go with it, and I think, for the most part, the word of mouth coming out of it will be good, and, you know, Fox Searchlight obviously is really good at pushing these kind of, you know, dark niche films that have, you know, a lot of Oscar buzz and turning in, them into, you know, must-see events, so... I wrote... You know, I, I think ahead, it's going to be... Yeah, I think it'll, it'll it'll catch on. I think I really do. So, and you're so right. It's it all comes down to the ending. You know, not to spoil it because, gosh, I got so many hate hate letters from that <laughs> last podcast we did because of spoiling the ending of Black Swan. But I'm not trying to spoil it. I'm just saying that you know, when I saw it, there was there was definitely nervous laughter throughout the theater in various parts. You know, because I think when you are faced with certain things. That's really the only way you can release your tension is by laughing sometimes, you know, because it is, you know, you don't see that kind of weirdness every day in the movies anymore. You know, you saw it in the 70s, but, you know, we mm-hmm. we became very puritanical after that in the 80s and, and the 90s. And so here's Darren mm-hmm. Aronofsky, you know, doing the Ken Russell thing of showing every gross, bizarre, you know, absurd mm-hmm. um, moment in the films. And I think that in this film, and I think that it did make people laugh. And I... You know, I did. I did sense that, but you were so right that by the end they were just, you know. <gasps> you know? I yeah. thought that Barbara Hershey was the one who provided a lot of the camp moments of the, the, the super scary, manipulative, uh, uh, you know, stage mom uh, from hell. You know, um, I thought she was. Uh, she she gets more entertaining the more I've seen it uh, twice now on on the disc, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to see it one more time on Tuesday. But I think mm-hmm. she's really. There's a premiere here on Tuesday. Hmm. After part yeah. and the whole thing. It's it's something that people are really gonna debate, I think, because <clears throat> with without getting into spoilers, you really there's parts of the ending you can trust and there's parts that you can't, and it's it's one thing after another, you know what I mean? Like one thing seems like it could be real, mm-hmm. the other doesn't. You right. know, the next thing that happens does. It it just goes back and forth on you all over the place. And yeah. I think that's something that you know, people like Jeff, you've already watched it a couple times. It, it's something that really compels you to to watch it multiple times and really debate it and, and pick it apart. So. That's that's if you really were to pick it apart. I think that it's been said uh, and, uh, by by many that it's it's about uh, about inner torment and anxiety and psychological uh, uh, disturbances in this uh, ballet dancer played by Natalie Portman. Cheers. Why are we laughing? Because <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that out, Jeff. Why? Because it's a huge spoiler. I can't. I, there's no way you'll get. I mean, we'll both. But that's get. what I wrote, and that's what other people have said that it's similar to. Who knows? You know, people are weird with that spoilers. I know, Jeff. You get yelled at all the time. I mean, yeah. people whine like, about everything. You know, that you just spoiled it. You just spoiled it. You know, you can even movies of the past you've spoiled because they haven't gotten around to running it. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's old Homer Simpson, the episode of The Simpsons where he walks out and goes, oh, I can't believe uh, Darth Vader was Luke's father. And everybody in line is like, oh, come on. <laughs> you spoiled it. 
Red, Red Butler says, frankly, my dear, I don't give it. Right. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't know that. Fuck you. <laughs> right. Or like, George Bailey gets all the money at the end of It's a Wonderful yeah. Life, you know. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I mean, there should be a time limit. I, I, the way I figured is if the movie's already opened and if it's within six months, it's okay to, to have spoiler warnings. But after that, all bets are off, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. That's that's see you've got a system worked out six months that's that's one way to do it uh, I'm not going to dispute but in my head I think it's more like ten to twelve weeks mm-hmm. I think that if you're in the world of wanting to see the movie well I mean once it's been out if you haven't gotten around to seeing that movie and or or at least hearing more or less what it's about after two months maybe three months when are you going to get around to it you know I mean that's uh, <laughs> how long do you need how long are you going <laughs> to hibernate and not see anything and well. I'll get I'll get to it, but don't spoil it, please. No, I know, but a lot of your readers don't live, you know, in cities where the movies play. That's the problem. So, you know, all these Oscar movies are coming out uh, and being talked about and reviewed, and by the time they actually open in the theater, they're ti- you know, they're already tired. It's just it's a crazy setup. But I noticed that with the King's Speech, although you're saying that it has actually strong box office, so maybe that theory doesn't fly. <laughs> Just makes you think that really to keep the, the the movie business alive and vibrant, people who are living in you know Peoria, Can- Peoria Kansas, or, or I mean Illinois rather, or Jackson Hole, or something, they, there should be a way to to day and date um, uh, get it online for people that that don't have theaters because mm. the theaters theaters are going away away as we no, know. You know? No. Them's fight words, Jeff. Well, no, not, not not in the in the in the in the in the best areas to see them. Not in the cities. Yeah. Not in the in the in the, in the moneyed suburbs. But really, in the outlying areas, the the economies are not supporting uh, theaters. Uh, I think um, we're, we're we're seeing more and more evidence of that. Go in any outlying uh, small town in some charming countryish area that's not that populated. What do you see? You see. Th- Theaters that used to be that are now been turned into churches or, or you know, swap meet halls or, or store. You know, their theaters are not surviving in small town economies. Thank God, and let's let's hope that they never go away in the cities or the, the heavily populated areas. But really, yeah, it's it's you know, it's, it's crucial. For, you know, you have to build a community around the art house, and you know, some communities just don't pull that off. But you know, a lot of others are really good at it. You know, small town art houses, and you know, you know the person that's ripping your ticket. You know, by their first name, and you get that like old timey feel to it, and and Mm -hmm. you can't beat that experience. But yeah, it's unfortunate some people don't have that, and it's you know we gotta you know you gotta preserve it one hundred percent because it's just not you know going to the multiplex is whatever it is what it is, and you get Mm -hmm. great sound and everything, but you don't get the charm and everything without the art house experience. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very valuable thing. I've been to I went with Glenn Kenny up to a theater uh, just in New York State, uh, not about an hour plus uh, on the train, and we uh, it was a you know old fashioned. Uh, theater with 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 very good uh, projection standards and and wonderful interior and that whole romance that everybody loves about seeing a film in a good environment like that uh, may that never ever leave you know this land I mean it's one of the great cultural things that we have and I hope that uh, more and more towns uh, get into it because I know that everybody loves going to a, to a good to a good theater I, th- I think people just hate going to crummy plexes as they were built in the uh, 80s and the 90s i think that everybody loves the they either love the old time theaters that are that are big or they love the you know the stadium uh, complexes which uh, which 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 everything sounds so good and and looks so good mm. yeah yeah 
Cool. I don't have anything else, guys. I mean, you want to do send off. I, well, I know you're going you're to get into like the best actors. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to do best stuff. picture, and then the supporting. We're going to yeah. try so to work can... our way through. So, I've come to learn that the more low energy you are in these discussions, <laughs> uh, the the almost the, the the better they are. Because <laughs> if you're trying too hard, you're pushing the energy and everything. It's like you know you, you 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 know kind of wear down the listener but if you just kind of sit there and get bored as you're talking and, <laughs> and sasha and i'm boring myself as i'm speaking it's almost yeah, nice slow going now i think you know, jeff, kind of you're never boring jeff you couldn't be it's not possible <laughs> dare to be dull thanks phil for the box office update and all of yep. your other insights phil did you actually predict a black swan tally i didn't hear that if you did uh, no, we don't. We stay away from that because oh. it's difficult. You don't. You don't know the location county. You know, okay. Fox Searchlight can. It'll. They'll open a platform on a, a couple screens, and then based on how it does there, they'll either say, okay, you know, let's do anywhere from like two hundred and fifty to a thousand. So you know, we don't. We don't touch that yet. But you did um, have an overall cube projection for the fighter. Yeah, because that's that's basically set in stone. We know that Paramount is going to do the limited thing December tenth, and then go wide December seventeenth. You know, there's no debating that whatsoever. Um, It's with this smaller stuff. Even even like King's Speech, you don't necessarily know Mm -hmm. um, yet how how big that's going to go. Obviously, based on what it did uh, and the fact that it's a a huge contender for Best Picture, you know, you're looking at you know a a lot of locations. You know, hopefully Mm two thousand somewhere in that vicinity. Um, at some point in, during its run, so okay. you know you gotta just watch it as it develops, kind of thing. So, okay. Okay. All, all right, right, guys, thanks again for having me. You know, always a pleasure. And be well. Yeah. Okay, we'll you talk too. To talk right, to you talk later. To you. Bye. So, what are we gonna do, Sasha? We're gonna, uh, <laughs> we're gonna dare this. to be dull, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the more you relax and the duller you are, the the, the more relaxing and intriguing the show. That's the new theory of uh, Oscar Poker. Um, <laughs> So, I love uh, it. I love we've it. Got, so we've got like, uh, what are we going to do? Uh, mm. Try and destroy the ones that are that may not be uh, best picture contenders. Uh, well, okay. Well, you want to go down the list then? Social network. That's not going to be destroyed. That's going to be in there. King's speech, of course, is going to be in there. Well, now, here's talk, an, let's, let's talk go, about the King's speech for a minute. Okay, sure. I, I thought it was interesting that you know it was such a strong front runner uh, coming mm. into the race before it was reviewed and yep. i was always worried a little bit about the reviews because you know to, to really to win best picture you need raves you know you need at least some raves sure um but I, and i was surprised that a lot of kind of mainstream critics didn't give the king's speech the kind of reviews it needs like manola dargas time magazine and the new york critics but it did An- get anthony some, lane did not uh anthony it, lane uh, and david and one of the other um david edelstein Edelstein. Edelstein, Um, So, you know, I'm not sure if they're reacting to the fact that the King's speech is being touted as a best picture frontrunner. Are they saying, oh, they're saying this is going to win best picture, so I'm Mm -hmm. looking at it differently. I'm looking at it as a movie that's going to win best picture. Well, I don't like it as much, you know, as if I just saw it as this tiny little movie um, and I was surprised by what I was seeing. So you're getting like Kenneth Turan. It looks like he he gave it a decent review, but they they only gave it an 80 score on um, Metacritic. Mm-hmm. So right now it's sitting at like 82. Well, it's about uh, the movie is finally about uh, um, can a, a man a monarch um, um, uh, do his part to uphold and fortify 
tradition and to fulfill the role that uh, that that king requires of of, of a man. And it's really just about um, uh, you know um, keeping things the way they should be and uh, fulfilling those roles that are required. And I, I don't know that that's all that. Uh, exciting or profound to, to for that kind of story in which that's what happens. That's what we're hoping to happen from a personal level. We like to see the guy, uh, um, um, Bertie, um, you know, um, not, not be humiliated and to find his voice and to be, you know, basically be a man and, and not be cowering in, in his boots. So that's, you know, it's satisfying, but I don't know that it's really all that profound. Um, I guess that, that's what they were kind of saying. Well, I think that, you know, to win Best Picture, it has to be it can't just be good enough. It has to be great. You know, it has yeah. to be like they gave it. Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think to be a Best Picture winner, you really need to be an A. Yeah. Unless you you're like Slumdog Millionaire and you're just so moving that you can't be denied. But mm-hmm. um, so I was a little bit taken aback. I think by the reviews. I, I guess I expected better um, yeah. from the New York Times and. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, not so much a question mark about being nominated, but it seems what you're saying is that the the headwinds, the 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 the, the, the sales are not uh, really being filled up uh, the way they you thought they might be at this at this stage. And, and especially, look, right, <clears throat> I'm just I also wanted to make the point that all the the kind of Oscar pundits had had it so confidently in the number one spot before the reviews came out. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to make the point that, you know, you can't really do that that way. You ha- It has to have already been reviewed, I think, before it can be a sol- considered a solid front runner. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion on it, but it does have to do with general perception. Right. Um, so anyway, we can keep talking about, I still think that best picture, the strongest one right now is the social network. True grit yeah. might, might shake things up a little bit, but, uh-huh. Uh-huh. um, so I'm, I'm still thinking of the social network in the number one spot for me personally, you know, <laughs> me too. Uh, of course I haven't seen true grit and, uh, the first reactions, uh, will be out on Wednesday as, uh, I think they have any problem with, uh, acknowledging that. And, uh, so we'll see, but, um, I was going to say, um, the one thing that could counterbalance this kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, um, <clears throat> sort of a getting a, uh, a King's Speech getting a B or a B plus grade rather than an A, mm. is that if it makes uh, does really well financially. And this this weekend, do you think that this was? Um, I mean, it is a very safe uh, older person's film and a kind of a family film. I, don't, I can't imagine anybody going to it and feeling burned. So it it really does uh, appeal to all ages. So if it t- proves to be exceptionally popular uh it might be you know Hmm. yeah Um, it's possible that that if it became a phenomenon and it made a hundred million dollars that it could win right um you know because they had uh weinstein's had inglorious bastards last year and that movie made a lot of money of course it was quentin tarantino it's a whole different ball game Mm -hmm. but i think with the best picture race it still boils down to celebrating the director the visionary director behind the film i think that's what drives it and That's why I still think that it's got to be David Fincher in the Social Network or the Coens in True Grit. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, we can talk this... about the other nine. Mm. Yeah, the other eight. Now, what do you think about the kind of the uh, the leveling off of of um, excitement and uh, the residual excitement that greeted Inception last summer? It doesn't seem to be as. Uh, it's hard to maintain that. It's hard to bring that feeling back. 
but I got this feeling when I knew that the Blu-ray was imminent, and I, when I, I usually something as as that was as strong as that film, and that is certainly something that you'd want to see with the with on Blu-ray. Mm. I just didn't really feel like I really wanted to go there again. I, I thought it was. I, I mean, I've seen it twice, and I I don't know that I feel all that throttled about seeing it a third third time and i was just kind of wondering if i wanted to catch again did you happen to watch it on at home i know you have the screener i have it no it wasn't it wasn't the first movie i wanted to put in necessarily because like you said it is a you know it's it's not an easy sit you have to be actively involved when you're watching it and it's depressing and it's sad you know it's not a happy film it's i mean as he goes deeper and deeper you know, to get to that guy's subconscious and to get to his thing with his father on his deathbed. I mean, that's intense. Right. And I don't think it's comfortable. And so I think, you know, we, we naturally deflect pain or try to. So that's yeah. why it's sometimes harder to watch movies like that that aren't – that don't have some mm. other kind of payoff. Of course, the special effects in that movie is really the big payoff. So a lot of people will be drawn to it. Um, sure. I was a little bit disturbed, though, that my friend Bill actually walked out of the movie and, and hated it. You know, and just said, I hate Inception. I will never watch that movie. I walked out. <laughs> and he's like 65, maybe 70. Uh-huh. And um, Avatar was his favorite movie last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And he tends to like, you know, sci-fi. So I wonder what was so offensive about Inception that he had to walk out, you know. He said he couldn't understand it. He had no idea what was going on. And so, you know, I worry a little bit about that in terms of the Academy. Are they, you know, other than the fact that it's Christopher Nolan and it was such a huge success. Yeah. You know, I don't think a lot of them really will understand it. Isn't it funny how uh, there's a – there's a portion of the of the reading uh, and and commenting audience, at least on on my end, that was irritated that the film was so explicit in explaining what they were going to do, what was happening, what had happened. They explained mm-hmm. over and over again. Obviously, concerned that they did not want to lose people. They wanted people to stay with it. And yet, right. guys like Bill and and you know, I, I imagine the others because it is something you have to really work with. You can't just sit there and let it wash over you. You got to really get in there and. Yeah. You know, start pumping your legs and 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 really just you know staying with every little detail. So. Yeah, and if you and if you you respond to it as the audiences did when I saw it, yeah. you know it's a win-win. But if you're alienated from it and you can't find a way into it, you're never mm-hmm. gonna like that movie. You know, it's not yeah. a general crowd pleaser. You know, it's mm-hmm. a strange kind of a thing. And the other problem with Inception is that. I know you think that Shutter Island is just sort of out of it, but the movies are so similar, those two films, that um, I, I... Because I, we we know that there are uh, there's an issue with Leonardo DiCaprio in Shutter Island, and you're saying that Inception is telling us, and we can feel going in, that, that his history, particularly with Marianne Cotillard, is a big mm-hmm. element in Inception, right? So, yeah, I mean, and I was struck by how similar they were in terms of the crazy wife and the kids and, you know, the future and, you know, mm-hmm. um, him trying to forget and trying to move on. You know, there's similar themes in both of those films. And, you know, I'm not saying that that makes either of them less powerful. It's just that I think that it it weakens Inception's power just a tiny bit that, not power, but it weakens its strength as a best picture contender. Uh-huh. That Shutter Island is also making the rounds. I think the voters, if they see those two films on screener, are going to immediately go, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio, wife, uh-huh. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I'm only talking about the sheep-like Academy voters. I'm not talking mm. about reality necessarily. Sure. You know. Right. So, so 127 hours. That's not going. Mm-hmm. That hasn't diminished. That that has held on to its uh, uh, to its to its meaning, to its uh, connection. People yeah. are, are responding to it as a strong thing. No one's putting it down that I know of. They they might be afraid to see it, but they're not putting it down. Uh, right. 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 No. I, and in fact, that movie is is doing well. Uh, because James Franco is becoming so popular. He's being really celebrated around town right now. Apparently he just uh-huh. did an interview with the actor's studio and it was, it was the tickets were in such high demand that they, uh, it almost caused like a, a mini riot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, also you got to figure it's Fox searchlight and they're just, there's mm-hmm. no way this film is going to be dropped. They, they devote 100% to getting their contenders in. If they've got a film like that, you know, obviously there's not much they can do with conviction. Mm-hmm. But Black Swan and 127 Hours, yeah, you can bet they'll fight hard for those movies. Yeah. So we've already talked about Black Swan. That's that's nothing doing nothing but surging right now and hasn't even been seen. Um, Kids of All Right, how about that? Is that <clears throat> is, is that striking you as, as being as um, engaging and? It's really hard for me to tell. I think that next in the next two weeks, the Critics Awards are coming, and that's the New York, L.A., New York Film Critics Online, National Board of Review. All of those will be in by, like, two weeks from now, December 13th. So we're going to have a much better idea of what movies are sort of capturing the zeitgeist and, you know, what, what films have all the heat as these awards start being announced. I think The Kids Are All Right is, is going to be a tough sell, you know, ultimately, but... Again, it's you know it's a it's a really strong studio behind it that this is really their only baby and they're going to push mm-hmm. hard for it. So, do you think it's an A film? I think it's more of a B plus film. Um, I don't uh, know. I think Annette Bening and the director, the two of the mm-hmm. the force of the two of them, make it almost an A film to me. But the, I thought that Julianne Moore was a little weak, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Ruffalo was kind of a little weak, even though. I didn't really particularly mind that they ousted him at the end. Mm-hmm. And I liked the way the film tied up in the end, but I'd sort of put it on the level of the King's speech with me in terms of um, being sort of a B plus kind of a minus film yeah. rather than yeah. an, a straight A or an A plus, you know? And that's in, in this atmosphere at this time of year, that sounds like you're being dismissive or in some way criticizing it. And it's, it's a delight to see a movie that it has it mostly together or is a, uh, or, or, you know, a B plus a minus that's, that's fine. That's delightful. It's something yeah. you got to see, you tell your friends about it, et cetera. So it's not, but I think it, I don't, I don't know that it's really a, 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 a gleaming, uh, you know, a, a, a movie. I think it's more of a, a really good one. That's more in the B realm. Mm. Right. And the only thing that would ever make me want to see it again at all is her performance, Annette Benning. is the only thing that would draw me back maybe for a second time. Uh-huh. Um, whereas a lot of these other movies I would watch just for the, the sheer filmmaking of them, like Black Swan, yeah. 127 Hours, Social Network. Right. Um, I mean, these, these movies are just, you know, you, in the Oscar race, you've always got to go with that. You've got to go with the filmmaking, the... Right strength of it and we have some amazing directors doing some great work and so it's going to be tough for both Lisa Chodolenko and Deborah Cholo Cholo <laughs> I always get it wrong and Deborah Granick to fight among these guys because mm. they're they're you know men rule Hollywood white men yep. and um, they're doing some of their best work this year and mm. so you know to get 
they're in order to get a spot, I think they're really going to have to make a big deal out of the fact that they're female directors and writers uh-huh. and that it's politically correct to include them in the race. I think that's the best shot they have. I don't think they can do it just on the films alone, although Winter's Bone does have that sort of bravura directing about it. Boy, I, I, I just thought it was so um, uh, steeped in that culture and and uh, and very real. I didn't think it was any way Hollywoodized or faked up or anything. But I but I don't know if bravura filmmaking really mm. was the term that that came to mind. Sure, I sure respected it. Uh, There's no question about it. She's a good filmmaker, Deborah Granite. Yeah. And I really liked her 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 drug um, drug addict um, mom movie with. Uh, the one that was uh, they called Down to the Bone. That was right. really good. I, I liked that better than I did this. But she's mm. she's good, no question about it. Moving on to Toy Story Three, which is a which has been which is constantly talked about. It has to be one of the ten. And but in terms of quality alone, we've said this many times before. In terms of quality alone, it it is easily one of the ten best of the of the year. It's probably one of the five best of the year. It will emerge that way, but it's not. Uh, a, a regular feature. It's an animated, and I think that you know it it undercuts the validity and the respect that a good a good animation requires and should have, rather than for them to be constantly having their own. They have their own party. It's like you know the, we have a party in our hotel, and it's like people are saying you know this this is great. I love the food, and let's let's have another glass of champagne. But you know what I've heard just between you and me, and don't let the host hear this, but there's a better party happening down. The- at the better, bigger hotel. Maybe we could slip out. In fact, we could all go over there as a group and say, can we get into your party? Because it's better over there. Oh, I love it. That's what the animated people are saying. We've got to get in that, you know, that better party, which mm-hmm. is it's not good enough. And I think that really denigrates um, you know, the art and, the, and the, really the wonder, the, the, the realm of animation, which is, really does – um, deserve that kind of, and they're undercutting, and they're not showing respect for themselves by saying we want to get into that better party by saying. But uh, I, I know everybody believes, it and I, I think it's it's an excellent film. It's no question; it's one of the best. But I just don't believe it's it's going to be or should be uh, nominated for best picture. On, no, on I, I agree with you. Even though I did think it was a great, uh, you know, a really good movie. Um, the thing about Pixar is that their mission is to kind of take animation out of the ghetto. And so to to them, it is a bigger deal if it's nominated for Best Picture. I think they're going to be going for one every year now. There's just going to be a Pixar movie put into the 10 Uh Best Picture lineup. And frankly, this year, there aren't aren't that many strong, strong movies that can be put in – take Toy Story 3's place. I mean, it made $400 million. It's the third Toy Story movie. Um, They're going to reward that kind of money if they can, you know. So the idea is ultimately the Pixar idea is it's well and good to have an animation category because it will give attention to those animated films that have had and we always will have difficulty in competing against live action because people give a certain credibility or, or they, they, they invest in live action more so, uh, you know, if not receptive, receptive to family uh, type entertainment. But we're the exception. We're Pixar. Uh, our stuff is always uh, very high grade. Right. We don't need that that best animated feature thing. We think it's fine, great. Uh, the other guys can have it, but not us. We want to play with the big boys. We want to be competing with the Coens and David Fincher because we're Pixar and we don't fool around here. So we don't really need that. 
category is what they're basically saying. Well, I mean, it's to me, it's hilarious and laughable to compare. And I got kind of, you know, attacked by readers for this, but it's laughable mm-hmm. to compare Toy Story 3 with the likes of Black Swan and True Grit and The Social Network. To me, they're just in totally different classes. However, I'd like mm-hmm. to kind of bring the discussion over to the foreign film category and the year that The Lives of Others was nominated, and I know you love that movie, and I loved it too, and Pan's Labyrinth for that matter. If we had 10 Best Picture slots, um, I wouldn't necessarily think that those films needed to be ghettoized into the foreign language category because they were one of the best films of the year. So, okay, fine, so put one of them in the top 10 Best Picture, even though they're foreign language. Sort of the same idea with animated. It um, is the same idea. And, I, and I'll and i tell you, that, that, that movie, the, the Lives of Others, has a reputation for those who have seen it, and that's that's really one of the great films of the of its decade. Of, and it's and it's and it it really if you're going to go by the idea that if it's really good and it really deserves to be there, forget the the ghetto that you as you call it that it comes from. <laughs> it, it believe it belongs in the in the in the in the, in the White House. It belongs in the right. Plaza Hotel. It belongs with the best people. I agree, and, and I think that's what people think of as Pixar. They think that these yeah. movies are so good that they mm-hmm. they leap out of that category of best animated. Um, mm-hmm. But the only animated film I've ever seen that did that was, besides Spirited Away, was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall-E was another, and maybe Ratatouille. But I just didn't. I don't feel that Toy Story three is is as strong as those other films. So it's harder for me to get behind it. But mm-hmm. you can't argue with four hundred million dollars. You just can't. So. Sure. sure. So what about speaking of uh, of income we don't have um uh Phil with us anymore but I um I don't know what Blue Valentine has done mm-hmm. but uh it's just kind of been um I mean I don't even know whether this is it's fair to apply the box office standard to a to a little film that the Weinstein uh people have out and obviously love and care for but um and it won't open uh, officially until 1231. I have a feeling it's not going to do a lot. I, I have a feeling that – I'm trying to say that box office is probably not going to be a factor with that, even though uh, that, that seems to wind up on the, on the, you know, the projected 10 best list because it's, uh, it's really quite good in its realm and it's really a wonderful little uh, kind of John Cassavetes-like uh, film about a troubled romance. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as, uh, as hanging in there or do you see something else being the, the 10th? No, I don't see it as being a 10. I don't think it's going to make it for top 10. Oh, okay. I mean, if I had to pick right now my top 10 best pictures, it would be King's Speech, Social Network, True Grit, 127 Hours, Inception, Toy mm-hmm. Story 3, Black Swan. Um, kids are all right, maybe. Yeah, I suppose. The kids are all right. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that I suppose is like a dagger in the heart. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's horrible. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it's got its gro- it's it's in its groove. It's not slipping out yeah. of it. Dave Carger even th- put it in his top five. So uh-huh. The Fighter. Um, mm-hmm. And here we have, we're down to two slots now. So we have The Fighter and maybe The Town as right. the last two that I can mm-hmm. think of. I'm looking at my list of films and I'm just kind of crossing them all off. I know they're not getting in. Maiden Dagenham, Secretariat, Fair Game, Blue oh, Valentine, Hereafter. You know, the only one that might get in there, Get Low or Another Year, those are the little movies that could squeeze in. But You're saying Blue Valentine in your judgment. I'm just being clear about this, not disputing. That's not going to happen for uh, because it doesn't have enough people talking about it. It hasn't uh, accumulated a kind of a... Uh, you know, kind of a bandwagon effect. Is that what mm. you're saying? And I don't think that it's going to appeal to the 
kind of, and I don't usually say this because I, I hate it when people say this, but I don't think that it's going to appeal to the older voters because it's about, you know, it's these two young actors. And I think that it's a movie for younger people, you know, and um, I, I think the Academy members are going to look at it and go, wow, that's really interesting, but it's just, you know, whatever. It's not, um, it's not anything that they can relate to personally or that they will love. Um, I'd love to see Shutter Island get in there, but I, th- I think if you're going to do Shutter Island and the, and the town, you know, you got Warner Brothers, two big hundred million dollar movies, so you're going to have to pick one or the other. Probably uh-huh. the town will has more going in because it has so many actors in it and well known actors, well liked actors, and. So what you were saying though, this is the first time. Um, I think this point needs to be said again. You were saying that that um, Inception and Shutter Island are very similar, and it's kind of an either-or thing, right? Yeah, and like and they cover a similar t- turf, and and I think that's a valid point. I haven't really thought about that, but that's that. The more I think about it, that does kind of. Um, um, you know, hold water that 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 viewpoint. So. Yeah, well, I saw actually saw Shutter Island after I saw Inception, mm-hmm. and my first reaction was, "Wow, that's a lot like Inception." You know, and so it's really just mm-hmm. going to depend on who's seen them, whether yeah. or not one weakens the other. I think it's harder for Christopher Nolan to stand out with his film with Shutter Island lurking around, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what he needs is to really stand out as the big old tour of the year. I still think Inception and Christopher Nolan will both get in just because it's such a, an amazing feat of filmmaking than he, what he did. Um, okay, well, how about um, uh, Rabbit Hole? We haven't discussed that. Oh, That's and Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole could be the surprise 10th nominee yeah. for sure. Yeah. In fact, I have to add that to my contender list because that's all I keep hearing is great stuff about Rabbit Hole. As a as a uh, an emotional uh, movie about about wading through grief and finding ways out of it and the way it way it manifests in different ways and and not to mention troubled family relationships with a mother and a sister and everything else there is nothing in that movie scene to scene that gets repeated or underlined to the point that you're kind of like exhaling and going okay get on with it you know every every scene adds something. A little bit new, a little bit, a little bit extra. Something you didn't quite. You feel, oh yeah, that tells me a little bit more. And then another scene tells you a little bit more, and it works like that throughout the whole thing. Which wow. basically, what I'm talking about is the is the structure and the and the writing that had uh, fortified and made the play a a very well respected work. And uh, I think that that work that went into the play and that was obviously transferred into a screenplay by the same uh, same author, uh, it shows. I mean, you've, you're you're looking at a at a really good piece of writing. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what they need to do is really kind of up the profile of um, John Cameron Mitchell, uh-huh. and kind of make make it make it a big story that he's that he's grown so much as a filmmaker in one year compared to. Weren't you saying that last week, or was yeah. it? Yeah. No, he's uh, completely abandoned in a way. Uh, you know, he was the uh, kind of the edgy um, uh, filmmaker who's uh, you know exploring uh, um, gay issues, and this is completely in. Um, you know the the territory of of in the bedroom Todd Field and Robert Redford's ordinary people, and I was saying that it's almost as if those three films, Rabbit Hole and those other two, were kind of directed in a way by the same person. And mm-hmm. there's there's a tonal similarity, certainly uh, the not just the wheelhouse, but the pacing of it, the way it unfolds, the depth of acting, 
uh, the way you, you know, you really do believe the grief stuff, but you also believe the anger. It's, it's uh, pretty, pretty remarkable for him to basically just put aside what had been a personality as a director and to just um, do this thing that is um, – uh, that, that we've seen before, and yet when it's done really well, it is unmistakably, uh, you know, warrants respect. And you know, you you say to yourself, that that's good, hmm. good film. So yeah. So if they if they you know, a lot is often made about that when a director takes a huge leap. But I think they just need to make it a bigger story out there, and that once that happens, it's possible that it it could get right. in. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to the sporting that we've been uh, the, the sporting categories <laughs> that we've been ignoring. Really, been ignoring it for like three weeks. We keep saying, "Let's get into, you know, talk about the, 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 the you know, the contenders." So let's get into what actor first. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll just talk. Okay, so uh, right off the top, uh, right now, as we as we see it, as most people see it, and, and I think you disagree with this, but uh, Christian Bale is a is seen as a um, not just the likely. Um, uh, nominee, but maybe even someone who's going to take the Oscar uh, sudden scene. And you say, no, 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 Jeffrey Rush is too good in the King's Speech, and that you can't say that uh, that Bale has it. It's just premature, not fair, right? Isn't that what you're? More or less? Well, I first of all, nobody can listen to me because I haven't seen it yet, right? So um, I can't but, really say for sure. But given but everything re- people have said, let's say it's his best right. performance of his whole career. He's still got a couple of stumbling blocks, namely that he tends to lose a lot of weight for a lot of different roles that he's played. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that big of a shocker. Like when Charlize Theron gained all that. (laughs) That's funny. Gained all that weight (laughs) for Monster. We've seen that before. Give us something else. Well, kind of. In a way, it's true with Christian Bale. He's one of the few actors you can say that about. He really does turn himself inside out for roles, and he does it over and over again. Um, a lot of people do it. Edward Norton, you know, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. But um, Joe, um, well, basically backtracking into the best actress thing, which we uh, didn't really discuss. I, I wrote earlier this week, and Scott Feinberg agreed with me, and I'm sure many other people are are picking up on the fact that her transformation into uh, being a convincing uh, ballet dancer, which is not something you can just get over a few weeks or even three or four months, but you have to really do it uh, month after month after month. And um, it's like the transformation that Robert De Niro submitted to and and achieved when he became Jake LaMotta, not just the, the the muscular boxer who knew all the moves, but also the fat guy and ga- you know gaining weight. It's one of those big transformation things, and I mm. think that's going to be a significant factor, uh, certainly with the Academy people anyway, uh, because they always have and tend to tend to respect people that have really gone the extra mile or gone many extra miles to make a a performance and a character really, uh, you know, right. Don't yeah, I, I know. I totally agree. In fact, I was I was really shocked when I saw her turn around and start walking on stage, and you could see the muscles under her back. And I just thought, wow, that's ins-. you know, she lost so much weight. Even a skinny person that she already is, yeah. she lost even more weight to become. And you know, being a ballerina is so punishing. There's so many books about ballerinas and, and anorexia and how hard it is to to keep up the standard. You know, you have to be really thin and you have to be really strong and have energy. Right. And that's one of the things about Black Swan is you feel like you're watching somebody who's drowning, but she doesn't. She manages to stay, af- you know, to stay afloat and to succeed at what she's she's mm-hmm. doing. That's one of the marvels of it. Um, but I right. do think it's going to come down to which actress campaigns hardest 
you know, even you could still have a great performance, but if you're not out there working the line, you know, you're not going to, you're probably not going to win. As horrible as that is, I mean, unless you're somebody like Catherine Hepburn or Meryl. You're saying that you're, that the awareness that she really did uh, really commit herself uh, to an exceptional degree uh, and a punishing degree, a difficult degree to become this character, that's all well and good, but what really matters is campaigning. Well, the performance has to be there, like Marianne Cotillard with um, right. Edith Piaf or yeah. Le'Veon Rose. She still needed to campaign, and boy, did sure. she ever. Sure. You know, so Natalie Portman isn't exactly Academy-friendly just yet. She's considered mm. very young and at the beginning of her career, and she's going to have to give a lot of interviews. I don't know if she's up for it. I don't know if mm. Annette Benning is up for it, but in my opinion, either one that, that works the hardest is probably going to get the buzz and maybe win. You know, they have uh, a... Uh, kids are all right. the kids are all right uh, um, uh, meet and greet uh, this coming week I think it's on Wednesday or something possibly Tuesday or Wednesday and <clears throat> it's uh, Julianne and uh, Lisa Chilodenko. Yeah. and I wrote back when I got the invitation said great uh, be, thank you for inviting me I'd be happy to come but my, I also wrote to them and said uh, Natalie Portman because no it's, Annette's not coming right and I said, Natalie Portman's like breathing down her neck and she's not going to come to this thing? I mean, you know, what's, what is that? I was just, it just struck me as curious. You know, I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. You can't not show up at these things. So, Well, I, I mean, I guess you can. I was reading about um, the Oscar year 1971 yesterday. And, um, you know, there mm-hmm. were a lot of – back then it was considered – crass you know to show up and campaign for an oscar back back in the day it was that's right people like Certainly. jane fonda you know would the people would ask her about winning an award she would say i'm not doing this for awards i don't <laughs> even want to go to the oscars yeah, i'm doing it for this and this and this reason and um annette benning is possibly in that kind of school of thought also she's been down this road so many times already with is annette benning going to lose again this year and you know she just might be tired of it all she might be at the point where she just doesn't even want to bother campaigning because she doesn't care if she wins or not Um, i respect that and i think she's also got the thing with the kid you know i don't know if she wants to put herself out there and have the press start asking her questions about her son or her you know her daughter daughter turning turning it to a son mm-hmm. might be reason enough to stay out of the press you know boy you think that after Cher and her daughter uh, uh, decided to become transgender um, you think that you know what else are you going to say what, why would the why would people in the community of entertainment journalists want to even talk about that of course why am i even saying this you know that they're going to do you it you know that they would and if you because if you're they the way they figured is if you're if you're getting something from them which is publicity they want to get something from you and that's going to be the number one all right give me story and i but i hope she does right. interviews i hope she does 60 minutes and i hope she does you know sunday morning and i hope she does npr i hope she does the you know the really high profile stops on her way in you know i, I mean I, I as much as i, I love s- natalie portman and believe me it's my yeah. favorite film one of my favorite films of the year and it's a great performance mm. but i would love to see annette benning win you know mm. i love her i think she's put had a great long career and she's overdue for a win and i just respect her as a person anyway and you know i think it's really tacky for anybody to want to ask her about her uh, about her daughter about kathleen because uh uh, any parent will tell you that it, it always comes down to one thing that you you support and then love your, your child, whatever they are trying to do, whatever they feel they need to do. 
there's only one answer, which is that you love and respect your child and you will never stop caring about them or supporting them. And that's the end of it. There isn't anything to say, really, you know. Mm. Yeah. And what they wanted to say was, do you feel badly about this? Do you feel that, you know, you, that she wants to change genders? Well, that's a really, really low way to look at it. You know, it's just not a very yeah. con- considerate or compassionate uh, question to even go there. I just well, she, and then she has to betray her child's privacy if she, and then yeah. it, and then she has to say, I'd rather not talk about that, and then it, that becomes the story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just don't see any any positive outcome for her. So she has to either say yes, the elephant is there, and I'm going to talk about the elephant, mm-hmm. uh, but it has nothing to do with what I'm. You know, I can see what she's going through. I I, I get it. So. The best thing she can do is go on 60 Minutes, have them, you know, talk about her whole career, everything, come clean about right. Warren Beatty and what it meant to give up her career at that time and marry him when she was mm-hmm. riding high and. What that meant to have a bunch of kids with Warren Beatty, she basically had to take herself out of the right. circuit. She continued to work, but, you know, it was a big sacrifice to make at that time. Mm-hmm. And then to four have kids. this. Yeah, four kids. And, you know, she was wanted to be a mom, and she was a great mom, and she devoted all her time to them. You know, mm-hmm. and now she's not, she's refusing to do plastic surgery. I mean, she's a, she's an interesting subject, and I hope that they, they touch mm-hmm. on the stuff with the kid on 60 Minutes because that will be a respectful way to do it, and it will shut up everybody else, you know. All right. Am I missing something? Has that been announced? Is she going to do that? Or are you saying that that would be a good I idea? I think that would be a good idea. No, I haven't heard it be announced, but I could see them going that way. If they're, if they're serious about this campaign, they'll get her on 60 Minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so we already discussed uh, Bale versus Rush, you, and, and you have to see the fighter, obviously, to weigh in uh, with uh, more conviction. Uh, so then the other front runners are, it has been discussed, uh, that, uh, that you know, one of the social network guys, is it Timberlake or Garfield or both? What do you think? Oh. Justin Timberlake or Andrew Garfield. Do you right, think no. either of those guys? Or, I mean, because people were talking about Justin Timberlake as being uh, certainly a vivid character, someone you certainly come away and you remember. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the, if, if, if you want to call him the kind of the bad guy in a way, almost the, the you know, kind of a demonic figure in a, in a sense. Uh, what do you think? Um, no, I agree. Um, I, I think it's a tough a tough call for either of them to get in because they're just not academy friendly people yet mm-hmm. actors they're not really well known um it's just going to depend on how much they liked that movie mm-hmm. uh but they have to compete with okay matt damon steals the show in true grit let's just yeah say. that's 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 great um that that's that's a surprise i think that's a significant thing what you're saying here because um i and you're sure about this to the extent that other people are almost certainly going to feel simil- in, in a similar way, right? You're not, not just sure. Familiar. I mean, I okay. hate to put myself out there, you know, <clears throat> one, one hates to put oneself out there with that, when you're in a vacuum like that. You know, you can never really totally trust your own opinion about stuff like this. I can have yes, my, you can. Don't you well, think? Well, no, I, I can have my opinion, but that doesn't mean that it's going to translate to Oscar. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean that because you loved a movie that the, the Academy and that the critics and that everybody else is going to agree with you doesn't and, and you need that in order to get into the race and i thought he was great in the departed he was one of my favorite things about it and he was ignored in that i movie. loved him in the departed I, th- I just thought he was the greatest i loved his charm i loved mm-hmm. his um the, the chill that you could feel in yeah. him he was great in that and he's best mm-hmm. to me when he's not playing a good guy like mm-hmm. i like him when he's playing either a total bad guy like in the departed or mm-hmm. 
like he is in True Grit, where he's sort of a bad guy, but he's he's the he's the guy everybody laughs at. He's the mm-hmm. ridiculous one, you know. And he just fits into that kind of thing, like like um, uh, talented Mr. Ripley. You know, he just uh-huh. slips into that role so easily. Right. You know, it's harder for him to play. I think the hero or the um, mm. you know. I mean, I know the public likes him that way, but for me, for him as an actor, I, I prefer him when he's he's a little bit imperfect and obtuse. Um, well, that sounds like then he is. So we're talking Bale, mm-hmm. Rush. Damon. Damon. That's three and, already, you know. And two, and two others. So who are so the So I would others? think Sean Penn, how can he miss for fair game? He's already a lead role. How are they going to skip him in the, for that movie? They're running him for supporting. So I don't see how you deny. And then you've got one more spot, yeah. and maybe that's going to be a social network guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the best nomination they have going is maybe Jesse Eisenberg is probably their strongest. I think they're going to have trouble in the supporting just because those guys aren't well known. Um. I res- I know I feel like I I know Andrew Garfield and I've been liking him ever since uh, that Weinstein thing that he was in was it Boy M or something what was that one that he did mm. you didn't uh, see that no I didn't see it but I heard you talking about it before mm. I really think he's good and he's the betrayed figure he's like the Annette Benning character in a way of the social network you know yeah. he's the one that's that's uh, that is is hurt and, oh and, god and, I think he's you know, great and I think Justin uh, Timberlake is great and if it was up to me they'd both be nominated you know uh, I just uh, have to we just have to figure that the academy people are weird that way and that they're going to spread the wealth I, you know when I, when the departed came out every single one of those guys to me deserved a nomination Jack Nicholson yeah. Matt Damon you know and, and Mark Wahlberg was the only one who got one mm. so you just never know how they're going to divide things up but um no i i would say by by the way that thinking that penn is always brilliant and he is absolutely nails the uh, the, the his role in in fair game but no one seems to be seeing fair game and it seems to be just not stirring much up i don't know what the what the thing is but i uh right i mean i, I just don't feel that it's being uh um uh, it's during a lot of conversation. Well, part of the problem is he's not here. He's in Haiti. So, I mean, I don't know if, I, you know, I don't know if people are going to, I think if they see Fair Game, how could they not nominate him? I would. Yeah. I think it's one sure. of the best male performances of the year in any Definitely. category. So then you've got Sam Rockwell for Conviction. Mm-hmm. Everybody says he's great in that. Michael <laughs> Douglas for Wall Street 2. Mm-hmm. How do you deny him? You know, it's an incredibly competitive category, the supporting actor. Uh, I would just repeat my <clears throat> long-held, uh, off-stated view that Sam Rockwell does the same thing, and every uh, uh, he's always colorful, loopy, kind of off-kilter Sam Rockwell. That's he's mm-hmm. he's got a, he's like a movie star. He does that same, he gives that same kind of music out every time he's in a, in a role, and he's always uh, he's never boring. He's mm-hmm. a benefit fellow, and uh, uh, going back to the confessions of a. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Yeah, where he plays Chuck Barris. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they all can't be home runs. Uh, <laughs> I could have sworn there was a slightly different title. I know. But, because Dangerous Minds is that Michelle Pfeiffer how, how, movie. How does a mind confess something? You know? You, <laughs> you know, the man keeps secrets, but the mind confesses. You know? <laughs> it seem- yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe that's what his bio was called, Chuck Barris. Mm. So they had to keep up with that. Um, but you see how competitive it is. Then there's Jeremy Renner for The Town. There's Ed Harris for The Way Back. I don't know. 
I don't think that there's any credibility <laughs> to be uh, given to that uh, film. It just doesn't. Uh, it's it's just not something that <clears throat> I don't I don't feel a lot of uh, passion for. I yeah. think it's. Uh, I can step back and say, well, you know, I've seen other Peter Weir films uh, that involve. Uh, certainly have uh, you know Master and Commander and Gallipoli. I'm thinking particularly, and there's so much more. Uh, you know the the the. The photography, the way it was, uh, uh, he seemed to capture the sense of desolation, mm. the turbulence of nature. I just didn't feel it as strongly from the way back as I did. It was more about uh, persistence and, and grit and determination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what he's, he can't be a jerk and say, well, I don't care about that. I don't care if they walk 4,000 or 5,000 kilometers. Because uh, it, uh, it just doesn't seem to mean a, a whole lot other than the fact that I respect anybody who doesn't quit and doesn't right. doesn't doesn't give up. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think we might cut off any minute because it's starting to get that weird. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just warning yeah. you. It might. Um, I, I don't. When I saw the way back, I just didn't feel. I, I, it sounds so horrible, but I really could not connect with any of the characters in any meaningful way. Um, yeah. I just felt it was sort of like they were this wall of people, and they mm-hmm. were all kind of the same, you know, and that this was their. And also, it just didn't seem realistic. Like, it seemed like a biblical story to me. You know, like, right. where were they going to the bathroom and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of yeah. thoughts went in and out of my mind. And how are they staying clean? And mm-hmm. um, So anyway, then we have, uh, mm-hmm. we have Bill Murray for Get Low and Mark Ruffalo for The Kids Are All Right. I think because Mark Ruffalo was discarded. And not given the full uh, – wasn't fully respected. His character wasn't by the by Lisa Cholotenko. Uh I don't see why they would have turned around and inspect uh, the audience or the academy or critics to uh, to respect him also. It's just mm. – they, they dismiss him. They throw him away. He's an he's a intriguing guy, uh, obviously flawed, obviously a bit of an uh, immature guy with uh, issues about you know commitment and everything. And then they decide, well – you know, I don't think he's really worth knowing because he's a jerk because he has an affair with a woman who's married and he creates a lot of unhappiness and, you know. So let's just get rid of him and say bye. Okay. Nice knowing you. And that's that's what happens, right? More or less. I mean, he, he feels badly about it. He looks at the kid. I, I don't want to – can I – can we – I feel so badly. I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Can we – they go, uh, no, you're, 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 no, there isn't. You're, you're gone. Yeah. Bye. You know, go to college. You know. There's no room for two dads in that scenario. You know, I thought that he wanted to take – I mean, he really blew things when he had slept with Julianne Moore. You know, that should have been not done. That was – But he didn't – but he didn't pounce on her and, and pin her on the ground and have sex with her. Mm-hmm. She – as she said, yeah. yeah, as much as he seduced her, it certainly was an equal thing. Right. She was not, please leave me alone. She was there and, and, and uh, you know, interested, you know, for her reasons because she felt in some way diminished by her relationship with Annette Benning's character. She felt that she was subordinate and uh, she was being, you know, she hadn't really found her calling in life, you know, maybe landscaping, maybe something else. Mm, right. So, you know. So her way of uh, kind of being uh, stepping out on her own and, and having some power of her own on some yeah. level. I wouldn't have included that, you know, for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just didn't believe that she would have slept with him. It just didn't ring true to me at all. Um, but, yeah. but I mean, I guess in terms of his acting, he seems to be. If the movie is in the groove, it seems like he's also in the groove. 
um, it's just his name keeps being brought up as a strong supporting actor contender. And, and you know, there's one other person we didn't talk about, and that's um, Jim Broadbent for another year. He's pretty good in that. You know, I just had a thought about Julianne Moore. Um, <clears throat> you know, she uh, says to Mark Ruffalo when he says, you know, I know we've been found out. I know it's traumatic, but why don't we give it a go? Why don't we be lovers? Why don't we be together? And she says, you jerk. You know, I'm, I'm gay. You know what would be interesting? It, more interesting, but it wouldn't be written because Lisa Cholodenko would not want a, a, not a woman who's ambivalent. If she were like, um, uh, you know, a, a woman who's clearly in love with Annette Bening. She loves Annette Bening, but she's not necessarily a, a woman who is 100% gay. She's uh, of, a, of an ambivalent sexuality. Like the Anne Hage. Like Anne Hage was with, uh, with, with Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, you know, if she had been that sort of person. In other right. words, that the door is always ajar. Maybe, you know, we're not going to last for 50 or 60 years. Maybe I'll fall in love with a guy because that's in me. I have a thing. I'm, you know, I'm bisexual. So if that were to clearly establish, then you think you probably could have accepted her having the affair? I, I would have, you know. I just, nope, th- I nope. feel like the thrust of the film was it wasn't so much to tell a story. It was to kind of put forward this idea that a gay family is, is just as legitimate and valid as a straight family. Yeah. And that you protect your family the same way you would if they were straight. And if, you know, if, if, if another like sperm donor or whatever happened upon a man and a woman mm-hmm. and wanted to be involved to that degree, they might do the same thing. They might exile the person and say, no, we have a mother and father. We don't need a father. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the movie was really strong in its its viewpoint and its message. And so I think that anything that doesn't fall in line with that kind of agenda is going to get pushed out. And I, you know, I, I have to say that I kind of agree with them only because it's so hard to be taken seriously and legitimately as as a couple when you're when you're gay and especially when you're raising kids. And I just felt like Annette Bening felt, you know, her her territory was encroached upon by this guy who kind of cast her aside and just said she didn't really matter and that he mm-hmm. mattered because he's the guy, you know. Right, right. So. Okay. All right, so just to recap, um, supporting actors before we go on to actresses, uh, we're, we're saying definitely Bale, definitely Rush. Very likely uh, you're thinking uh, Matt Damon. Uh, um, how can they uh, uh, deny Sean Penn? He was so good in Fair Game. And then a fifth, which might be, as you say, Rockwell, might be Douglas, might be... Um, one of the two social network guys, maybe, and that's where it stands, right? I have a really hard time imagining that they're going to not nominate Michael Douglas. You know, I, I really think he's going to be a very solid contender. So I, I would say four out of five right now are, are really solid. Okay. Still needs okay. to be, you know, I still need to get kind of a critical reception of True Grit before I can say uh-huh. for sure that Matt Damon is in. But just on performance alone, you know, he's uh-huh. he's great in the movie. <laughs> You know, I, 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 your instincts are, to me, they're gold. When you know something and you really feel it, I don't think you should say, I have to get a sense of the, the way the community is reacting. Because I think that you know when something is there. Hmm. I, I trust you when you really like something. I, I, well, I, 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 I trust you, too. I definitely trust you, too. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's just never – you just never know how the public is going to respond to something, you know. But that reminds me of that that old uh, joke about you know the <clears throat> screenwriter sending the production executive his script and 
let me read it. I'll read it over the weekend. And uh, he doesn't hear back uh, from him on Monday. And he calls Tuesday and he says, so you got the script? Yes. You read it? Yes. What do you think? I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody else about it yet. Oh, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, I, I learned my lesson the hard way with that because I saw the kite runner and I loved the kite runner and I sobbed all the way through it. And I thought, oh, my God, this is not only a film that could make a Best Picture nomination, but it might even win. It's so good. And then, of course, uh, it was panned <laughs> and, you know, kicked out and no, it had no shot of any nominations at all. So... After that happened, I kind of had to step back and say, okay, well, you know what? If I'm seeing a movie in a vacuum, it's okay if I love it. But if I'm talking about the Oscars, I have to be careful because the Oscar race is about perception. It's not necessarily about quality. And what creates perception is public opinion, critics' opinion. So, And it's unfortunate, but it's it's really the truth. Some movies are critic proof they're so good and they're so big that they can't be denied like slumdog millionaire for instance but and i would only counter that i that you're right that it is about perception and that uh you know what you happen to feel very passionate about doesn't necessarily mean that others going to fall fall in line however i i would say that the, the season and i've said this to you before and and i wrote this to you recently that the season is about <clears throat> excitement and passion and exuberance about about various things, and it's a, it's the time to really uh, open your heart and talk about what really moves you about mm-hmm. the great films, and not just what the films are, but the values they represent and how they echo in our own lives. And you know, yeah. uh, they all mean something to us. And I think that it's it's all lovely and great that 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 people will end up with Oscars at the end of the trail, but that should not be the end all and be all. It's just the end. You know, it's mm-hmm. the TV show. It's you know, yes. which and we all forget who. Most of the awards anyway, so right. let's not, not get too wrapped up it's in It's a game. It is a game. It's a game of poker. <laughs> yeah. And you, just like with poker, how you have to psych out your opponent, a lot of that is – a lot of the Oscar yeah. race is really just that, mind games, you know. Right, right. All right. So supporting actress, um, the top of the list is I, – I would argue at this point I do not believe – uh, Helena Bonham Carter can be seen as a slam dunk. I really don't think so. I, I think mm-hmm. because the King's Speech is now seen as a good film, but not an A film. It is. Uh, uh, <clears throat> it is certainly going to be a popular film. I just don't. I mean, I'm not saying she won't be one of the five, but I don't see her as. Oh, absolutely! You ha- cannot leave her out. I just think she delivers very nicely, uh, and and with just the right kind of dry English. Um, uh, in both sense of the term, uh, hmm. that that role, but she is not to me uh, like wow, drop to your knees, you know, uh, uh, you know, standing ovation. No, or not even anywhere near that. I mean, it'll be it'll be just typical Academy to include her. That's yeah. re- definitely how they work. If they like a movie, everybody gets swept up in it. But mm-hmm. um, I really think that the best, the two best performances in the supporting category that I saw this year so far, and I haven't seen Rabbit Hole, so I haven't seen Diane Weist, and I haven't seen The Fighter, so I haven't seen Melissa Leo and Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I would say Get Low, Sissy Spacek, and um, Barbara Hershey in Black Swan are my two favorite female, with Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom coming in a close third. Okay. Barbara Hershey is great, but she's kind of this uh, she's this grand guignol kind of a, a witchy figure. Mm. Um, she's like the uh, the ultimate malevolent mom who is uh, so angry at herself and so feels so furious at you because you have to 
succeed where she did not because she gave it up or didn't try hard enough or she decided that she was going to have you, her daughter, and therefore you have to fulfill her life mm. as well as your own. What a, what a thing to, to have in your life, to have yeah. in your head. You know? I know. it was so. She was so creepy and you believed her the whole way through. The other thing about it is that um, a lot of times supporting actress or you know any actor contender really will, will do so much better when they're playing against type. And she's definitely playing against type. I don't think I've ever seen her play an, an evil character like she does here. Usually mm. she's the nice, sweet, you know, Barbara Hershey. Um, but she really she really knocks it out of the park with this one. Doesn't and what is the key, What is the key thing that she does in that film that, that convinces you she is definitely not a nice person? She is not in, um, in, in, in um, Natalie Portman's corner when she does not wake her up. Right. The next morning, when she's had her night on the town and had her big love scene yeah. with Myla Kunis, why didn't you wake me up? She mm-hmm. just sits there. Fuck you! You know, if you want to yeah. go out and uh, and and drink and, and meet men and and do the wrong thing, you can just die. You can just right. forget it. I'm not going to help you. The yeah. one point where for me it was was the birthday cake. You know, and she <laughs> <laughs> she's going to throw it in the dump. That's right. <laughs> that was just so horrible, and manipulative, and mean to do to a kid. It does that scene freaked me out so much? Just because. You know, I mean, I'm a single mom raising a daughter and, you know, you you know you can't be too suffocating because basically you're their whole world, you know. Right, right. And for that scene, she, you know, it was so twisted because she can't eat anything because she's a dancer and here's this big fattening cake and, you know. <laughs> so it just, it, it worked on so many and it was a little girly cake too on top of that, you know, and the mom right. makes it all about her and, you know. Just so many things at once, but at that point I realized, okay, yeah, she's an evil force in the girl's life. She doesn't mean any any good. She wants to take her down, you know. Now, having seen the fighter, I, I do agree uh, that both Melissa Leo and Amy Adams are are really terrific. I loved both of them. They're both fierce and strong characters. Uh, I I kind of lean towards Amy Adams because yeah. I she's the one that stands by Mark Wahlberg and she's the outsider a little bit. Uh, Melissa Leo is and she are at loggerheads because Melissa Leo starts out in the beginning of the film as the manager as uh, Mark Wahlberg's manager and you know, Amy Adams in a way <clears throat> the, the girlfriend who's got a head on her shoulders. She's tough. She's contentious but she's not stupid and she sees that there's uh, things are being handled badly on as far as Mark's interests are concerned. And so um, I, I kind of, you know, went for her and, and felt more identification with her and I admired her. And I also thought <clears throat> it's really a transformation for Amy Adams to have finally really shirked and gotten rid of that um, <clears throat> that kind of goody two-shoes quality that she's had mm-hmm. since uh, uh, Junebug and and uh, and the uh, animated thing when she played the... Um, why am I forgetting that again? Here we go again. You know, the... the uh, uh, Enchanted. Uh, Enchanted. Enchanted, mm-hmm. yes. Where she starts out an animated character who becomes a... Anyway, that's what yeah. I, I feel has been uh, kind of dogging her. I know she's been trying to... She has been doing work. Hello? With this one, and I really believed her. And there's sexuality also, and she's put on a little bit of weight. She's not perfect. Well, she's pregnant. Uh, it, She's pregnant as we speak. No, she. Well, she's about to deliver. She was pregnant when she was filming the movie. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so okay. that would explain that. But um, I just took it. I thought they told don't don't aerobicize. Look like someone who is a, you know attractive woman, but a woman who likes to eat cheeseburgers and drink beer. <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
<laughs> so um, if you had to choose one of them, which one would you pick? Well, I would I, – as I say, I feel more for the, the girlfriend who has to fight the family as well as do what she can to, to make the, the – help the, the boyfriend. Yeah. So um, – but, but she's not uh, – I don't know what this means. Maybe she's giving birth as we speak. Maybe she's in her final last couple of weeks, but she's not going to be at the luncheon tomorrow. Oh. Uh, Melissa Leo is, so – Make of that what you will. But right, she, right. The one I'm going to anyway. So maybe she's about to give birth. You know. So that's, she's that's, either about that's to great. give birth or she's just given birth. I can't okay. remember when I saw her on the actress roundtable if she had already just given it, um, mm-hmm. or if she was pregnant. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn between those two. I guess I'll just have to see the movie and see who pops out. But Melissa Leo definitely has more of the industry support behind her, and although mm. they love Amy Adams too, you know, she's already been nominated twice for an Oscar. But right. um, Melissa Leo is, you know, she's so beloved in the industry. She's so well known, and you know, at first I was thinking this is going to be the movie she wins for, but then everybody mm. kept saying Amy Adams is better, and so I figured, well, mm. okay, maybe mm. not, but. Now, everybody has been saying, as I kind of devolve, because they figure that the uh, bright, young, plucky, young uh, n- newcomer who gives a, 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 a sterling, a vivid, um, a live performance in the supporting uh, category is like, you know, in a good film like, and we're, I'm speaking, of course, of Halle Steinfeld. Mm. Now, this person that I heard from did not mention Halle Steinfeld. Uh, in any particular standout way, and I was wondering if you've heard anything from for anybody about who has seen it because I know it's been screened. Yeah. Has anybody said anything about her? The only thing I've heard is that she's a lead and she's not supporting, and that oh, so that's wrong to put her in the best supporting actress category. Well, You're saying I that think definitively. no, I think what I've heard is that it is a lead performance, but since she's a kid, like with that movie, Tim Hutton. Tim Hutton, yeah, absolutely, and who won, by the way, in support. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whale Rider, the girl in Whale Rider. Okay. They wanted to put her in supporting, but the Academy went and put her in lead. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll just have to see how it goes. But you know, this is a film starring Haley Steinfeld in the lead. You know, as the as Maddie Ross and everybody else is supporting around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, wasn't um, Al Pacino? No, it was. Yeah, Al Pacino was supporting for The Godfather and Marlon Brando was lead, I'm pretty sure. That's right. And I know that he won in the lead. So. Yeah, so you'd think Al Pacino would be the lead because he is sort of the lead character. Well, maybe in Godfather 2, maybe not in Godfather 1. I think what we're really saying here is that if she's going to be in there, <laughs> uh, it's going to be for supporting because they always put new people in yeah. support no matter how big their role. That's right. basically the law here, so – I think so, but I think there's going to be some category confusion after people start to see the movie because I think they're going to be like, or this is what I've heard anyway. But it's too crowded in Best Actress, don't you think, at this point? Best Actress. We have Annette Bening, we have Natalie Portman, we have Jennifer Lawrence, three. um, Michelle Williams, I think, and certainly Nicole Kidman, it seems to me. Nicole Kidman, that's four. Michelle Williams is not a guarantee. And Leslie Manville, who's not going to leave the Best Actress category. I mean, they're not going to change their minds. Well, then maybe Leslie Manville will be the fifth, yeah. Yeah. So Haley Steinfeld should be put in maybe in supporting. Um, Yeah. I guess I'll switch her back to supporting because I had heard she was the lead. Yeah. but you're right. If it's a kid, it's it's definitely going to be supporting. And you could argue that Rooster Cogburn is really the lead, I guess. You know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what about Myla Kunis in Black Swan? 
she's she's been doing a lot of interviews. Do you think she there's any chance of her being in there for best supporting actress? Oh, I don't know. Um, probably not. I think there's it's possible. You know. Um, because she's kind of an enemy figure, and she's a, a manipulator, and you yeah. don't really like her, right. and she's, you know. Barbara Hershey's going to get the supporting nomination, and I'm not sure that okay. they're going to do two from the same movie. They're going to have to really love Black Swan to do that. Uh-huh. And I think right now it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, a lot of people are going to put it as their number one. Because it's uh-huh. already, you know, it's Steve Pond's favorite film of the year, for yeah. instance. You know, and Steve Pond is, you know, not that dissimilar from a lot of Academy voters in terms of mm. taste and sensibility. Right. So if they love it that much, you know, I, I do think it, if there were five best picture nominees, Black Swan would easily be one of the five. Sure. No question. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and Aronofsky would definitely be one of the five directors, you know, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. might even win director. <laughs> you just never know. But, um, mm. I mean, it just depends on how much people love the movie. I think Black Swan has that about it, that people love it versus uh-huh. they appreciate it or they like it. You know, I think right. if they like it, they're going to love it. You know? Right. Mm. So. Well, it's 4.18 p.m. Okay. Uh, it's, it's Sunday. We've been doing this for almost two hours again. <laughs> oh, no. I'll have to try to cut it down somehow. Yeah. We, 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 you know, this we, you know, we started out lazy and slow, or at least I did, <laughs> because I, I, I was having trouble with uh, sleep last night. But uh, it came in; it turned into another pretty good uh, discussion. I said, you know, what, you know, we're good at we're good about this. Uh, we we talk about uh, not just the politics of it, but I, but what I love about this uh, discussion that we do every week is the is the values that the uh, and the the interior of the of the of the of the conviction. The, the feeling that each uh, and how those performances, how the technique uh, seems to bring out memories and feelings of our own, mm. uh, I think that we've noticed. So that's what matters. And I think that's yeah. what people will finally settle, in, settle into when they decide they're going to vote for this person or that person. So. Yeah, I think so. I think you put it really well. You give them, you give them a lot more credit, I think, than most people do. So, mm. hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so we'll do it next week. I don't, I don't know if I'll have a guest or not. We'll figure it out. But, uh, you know, um, um, uh, lovely as usual. And I Same hope you, here. Uh, you, you know, and uh, we'll, um, we'll, I guess we'll compare notes about um, True Grit um, in the middle of the week. And when are you seeing it? I'm seeing it tomorrow night. And as I uh, have to blow off, uh, it's my, I, I was, I could have seen it last night if I had been in New York because they had a screening at the DGA theater mm. with Matt Damon, it's inter, incidentally attending. Wow. Uh, but I, uh, uh, we'll see it uh, tomorrow night. And that means I'm going to miss the Gotham awards, which is kind of an oh. annual thing here. Wow. But as someone significant involved in, in, um, in, uh, True Grit said to me on an email, you're uh, you're not missing anything by missing the Gothams. You're making the right choice. So. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh well, that's great. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. So please email me as soon as you see it and let me know what you think. I, I definitely will, and okay. we'll talk next week. Great. All right. Have a great weekend. The rest okay. of it. Okay. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the tenth episode of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com, and Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com. We'll see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening. Gotta cut you down. Gotta cut you down. 
Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweet He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on